It's July 11th, 2020, and you're listening to the Architecture Geeks podcast. This is Larry. And I'm Matthew. And we're your friendly neighborhood architects being geeky as we want to be. Welcome back, everyone. We hope you enjoyed the chat that we had with Faye and James. I thought that ended up pretty interesting, mostly, I think, because Faye shared some things about Matthew that I didn't know. I thought the the wedding the wedding location selection was particularly interesting because it's such an architecty thing to do. Um, <laughs> I don't know how Matthew felt about that, but it was it was fun. It was fun to do it. Like I said, I think we need to do it again next year just to see what's changed. I don't know. What do you think? Should we try to make that an annual? Yeah, I think it's a good personal look into personal look into an architect. Yeah, and maybe a little bit too personal at times, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, how deep do you really want to look? But anyways, we have we are now. This is our our first official podcast for July because we obviously split the last one into two, which was actually kind of nice. We weren't recording right the day before 4th of July, but it's it's July now. And if you live in Texas, you know what that means. It is hot and humid. And it even looks, I, I was looking out the window, I was sitting in my office the other day and I looked out the window, I'm like, it looks hot. It doesn't even, I know it's hot outside because I'm, that's what the weather guys are telling me anyway. I'm enjoying the air conditioning. But I look out the window and I'm like, it looks hot. It just looks hot. And I think it's supposed to be close to 100 this weekend. And the humidity is supposed to take it up to like 110, I think. Oh, yeah. I I tend to notice when absolutely nothing is moving outside and, and it's just super sunny like that. You're like, oh, you don't want to be out there right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's it, and it's so bright. It just seems super, super crisp. I don't, I don't know what it is, but I got to experience it this week because I had to go out to clients and measure the outside of the house. And even at I think I got there at. 9 15 in the morning by the time i left at i think it was 11 maybe i was a just gross gross sweaty mess <laughs> i'm like i don't want to be out. this this is the one thing i hate about doing architecture and having projects under construction during the summertime is like you have to go to the job site for a meeting and you're just standing there melting and melting and melting and melting and my current project is a is an old cotton warehouse with foot thick masonry walls that just trap all that in there. That now they have fans to mitigate some of it, but I was there at eleven o'clock this week looking at some of the the underside of some of the joists, and it was you could start to feel it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I was out of the job site standing on a slab a few weeks ago, and even at that point, I was like, "This is this is miserable. This is just awful." Yeah, yeah. But with all that heat comes a great deal of sunshine, as you mentioned. And 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 I've been walking around the neighborhood. I'll give a shout out to the earlier episode we did about rediscovering the neighborhood. Uh, but anyways, I was I was walking the dogs the other evening and. I noticed one of my neighbors had recently finished putting solar panels on their house. 
And I thought, hey, that's pretty cool. You know, we're in an area where we can really take advantage of our long, hot, sunny weather. And it felt good to see someone taking advantage of that. Yeah, I was you know, walking around the neighborhood, like doing the same thing you're doing. You're walking around more than you used to. And I've noticed a couple of the houses. There's a house down the street that actually has solar panels. And there's a house that I think is, it's a couple of blocks over uh, from us that they have solar panels. In fact, James James mentioned on the last podcast about walking down there and the woman was up in the middle of the afternoon hosing off of the dust off of her solar panels. He's like, why would you be doing that at three in the afternoon? <laughs> Isn't there a much cooler time to be doing that? But yeah, it's, it's, and I think as, as architects, because the AIA, the American Institute of Architects has started what they've called the big move. And it's a big thing about more about it. We, we talk a lot about climate change, but it's more about environmental stewardship where you're focusing not just on the climate part of it, in this case, the energy part, but you're also talking about the economy and equitable equitable communities and taking sort of a holistic approach. So as architects, we always see that, you know, what is the technology out there that we can utilize to maybe reduce a carbon footprint or be more ecologically sound, I guess is the way to put it. And how do we combat climate change? Because it costs, you know, there's there's an impact from, energy production. So how do we mitigate some of these things and really provide a benefit for the client? So what we thought we'd talk about today is, you know, obviously the solar panels because we keep seeing them. But the other thing is talking about rain barrels. Talking about what you know, you have two two distinct technologies and and neither one of them by any stretch of the imagination is new. But those two technologies that both have a chance to impact the environment and what makes sense to do which one really from a from an investment standpoint and a return standpoint because when when at the end of the day if you're working with a client anyone will tell you decisions always come down to money and there is a significant difference between having a solar panel installed and deciding that you're going to go ahead and use something that is as simple as a rain barrel yeah and 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 for a long time, I feel like solar panels have really been advertised as the best way for a homeowner to improve their sustainability cred. And I'd like to propose a slightly different solution. And, and like you said, that would be rain barrels. And that's really what drove the inspiration behind today's podcast. I had a conversation with my neighbor about his cool new tech, the solar panels, and he talked about his desire to cut down on his energy bills, his desire to charge his new electric car with said panels, and in general, just wanting to live a more carbon-neutral lifestyle. And while all of those are very admirable goals, I think, that everyone should try to include in their lives, he mentioned something that really stuck with me in, in his conversation, and he said, you know, Matthew, I, I've really been able to put a dent in my electric bill, but my, my water bill is still killing me. And, and since we know each other well enough, I felt comfortable asking him how much he spent on his water. And, and just because I'm nosy. <laughs> and he, he said he spent over $200 keeping his yard and foundation watered because as, as anybody in Texas knows we have horrible soils for foundation. You have got to 
keep maintain that. Um, but then when I asked him what his electric bill was before and after the solar panels, he said it was between 150 and 170 before and about 30 to 70 afterwards. Wow. That's actually, that's, that's really pretty good. I mean, you were talking about, you know, you're cutting your bill by almost what, two thirds. And that's not, not a bad thing. That's not anything to sneeze at because I know electric bills around here can get considerably higher than the, you know, the $200 or the, <clears throat> the 150 to 170 that he was actually doing. Uh, you know, there, there are people I've talked to who've had $450 electric bills so to be able to cut something by about two thirds, it sounds like everything sort of went according to what he thought would happen. Yeah, and it and it did go according to plan. Uh, he was now paying significantly less for his electricity, but I saw a different problem problem in my mind as we were having the conversation, and it's one that I don't think gets as much attention. You know, solar panels are a great way to reduce your electric bill. They are a great way to produce clean energy but his water bill was even larger than his pre-solar electric bill which made me wonder why he didn't address that first and this focus on water rather than electricity has really taken center stage for me because i feel like the first thing that gets advertised to owners as they try to reduce their carbon footprint is is oh let's go look at, let's go look at solar panels and as I've done more research into integrating solar panels into projects, I've come to what some people might consider a more unpopular opinion, which is that solar panels are great. I, I, I love the technology, but it's not quite matured yet to where it needs to be to really make a financial sense for people. Whereas something as simple as a rain barrel has been around in concept for thousands of years. And and I've kept a fairly close eye on, on solar panel tech over the last few years, because I have been rooting for it to become more popular and accessible to more people. I really, really want it to be there. (laughs) And I would love to put solar panels on every building and solve global warming because Every building has become its own little power plant. That sounds awesome. But if a friend were to ask me if I recommended they put solar panels on their house, even if it, even if their house were perfectly sighted to take advantage of 12 hours of sunlight a day, I would still say no, because while solar panels are great at producing energy, to make them truly valuable in a residential setting, you need a good way to store all that energy and the battery tech just isn't there yet? Yeah, if you if you look at the how a typical home uses power throughout throughout the day, we're talking about typically there's a big spike in power that happens in the morning because everyone's getting up, they're getting ready for work, getting ready for school, they're making breakfast, there's all that stuff, and then everything kind of goes quiet for most of the day until you come home for the evening, and again you're you're ramping up power because you're making dinner. People are doing homework, the TV's on, all these things are happening. Now, granted, you know, that was true during the pre-COVID, <laughs> pre-pandemic. So some of that may have changed, but you're still going to have that cycle where you're going to have a, a significant greater usage at certain points during the day. So 
you know, the electricity drops back down to background levels at night and you're keeping the house cool and it's not really doing much else. So you don't necessarily have this need to pull a bunch of power the whole day. Yeah. And solar panels, especially the residential type, usually produce their peak power around midday when, as you said, the house would be typically empty and not need that much juice. And that's a point where solar panels should start sending that excess power to a battery bank to store up power for the evening power surge. But that's where the problem currently stands. The battery technology really hasn't caught up with the solar panel tech, which makes solar panels a a much more expensive bet and not quite the return on investment that solar companies have advertised, I feel like. Well, and I had a a client who was looking, I think Tesla was talking about the battery backup. And I don't know if they have, where they are with their technology, but he was, you know, he's like, is there space on the back of the house where I could put one of those big Tesla batteries? I'm like, I guess someday you could. I don't know that that's something that's actually working yet, but sure, why not? You know, but, but like, like you said, it's, it's the battery technology isn't there to keep the power that you're generating. So you're not necessarily getting the investment back. And I went to the, you sent me to that website. And I can't remember the name of it. We should have put it in here. And I, my apologies, everyone. Maybe I'll hashtag it into the, into the podcast. But the, the site that you sent me to was talking about solar power is running around $20,000. And this idea that you can regain all of that over an eight-year lifespan, or not a lifespan, over a period of eight years. But if you get down to the fine print of it, it's also talking about that you'll only break even in eight years if your solar panels cover 100% of your electric use during that time. And that's only going to happen if you have a large enough bank of batteries to store off-peak energy, which in turn means you're going to have a much more upfront, much bigger upfront costs because you're going to have to have more batteries, not to mention the fact that now you have to have someplace to put all those batteries, <laughs> which you may not have had before. So you, you, you're getting to a point where it, what seems like a really, really reasonable solution isn't as reasonable and isn't as easy as the solar panel companies really want to put that out there for you. Yeah. And, and, I think while while the the battery storage is is the current bottleneck with solar panels there are people you know much smarter than me and who are deeply invested and it's a billion dollar problem that people are around the world are racing to figure it out and we will figure it out I have no doubt about that but in the meantime What I would propose is that instead of focusing on lowering your electricity bill, we focus on water. And going back to my conversation with my neighbor, he lowered his electricity bill, but his water bill was still north of $200 every month in the summer, which was higher than the pre-solar panel electric bills. Now, to me, the water bill was the low-hanging fruit because I feel like most people can address that issue with technology that exists right now and you can see a more significant return on your investment in a much shorter time and the primary way i would start to lower his water bill would be to suggest a series of rain barrels for him rather than spend so much money on solar panels right 
Right. Well, because because we, we're talking about upfront costs here. I mean, this is this is the base part of it, and we'll start with the solar panels because solar panels, like I said, the the average cost in solar panels for a two thousand square foot house is around twenty thousand dollars, and that takes into account things like credits and rebates and stuff. So you may start with a a higher number, but with rebates and credits, you're coming down to around twenty thousand. And for that cost, you're able to reduce, you know, your electric bill. It seems like about two thirds on average. So you're talking about what could have been a hundred twenty dollar bill, you know, get it down to about forty dollars, and that's really good. But you start think about I'm saving, you know, am I saving forty dollars a month? Am I saving eighty dollars a month? You start multiplying that by twelve months, and suddenly it's not adding up to a big chunk of change. You're talking maybe a thousand dollars a year, give or take you have this upfront investment of $20,000 that's going to take 20 years to pay off. So you have this large upfront cost to buy solar plant panels and then this really long return on investment. And that's always assuming that you're going to stay in that house for, for that amount of time. It may be that you know you may have dumped $20,000 on solar panels and suddenly five years down the road, you could potentially be moving. And is that sort of the investment that you want to make? Yeah. And when when you first consider rain barrels, you know, everybody knows how they work. Water rolls off your roof into a gutter, into a downspout. The rain barrel's located at the bottom and collects all of it. It's a simple gravity-powered system. And now, <laughs> well, now I'd like to maybe get into a little bit more of the math. You know, <laughs> little, of course. It's, it's a little treacherous for... <laughs> Because architects don't do math, remember. <laughs> mm-hmm. But anyway, in the Dallas area, from April through September, the the primary growing season around here, we get about twenty inches of rain. The average house here is around two thousand square foot, and has a roof size of about two thousand four hundred square feet. One inch of rain on that 2000 square square foot house will give you 1500 gallons of water and that's an important number here so if i were to tell you that in june we got an average of 3.2 inches of rain that would translate to 4800 gallons of water for the average house so i guess i guess i'm going to use you as as our little guinea pig here larry what's your average water bill I don't, I don't know what our average water bill is i know during the summer everything goes up significantly because we start we start watering the yard we have a sprinkler system so we start watering the yard again usually starts in april but but example so in january in the winter time when we're not watering i think our actual the water portion of our utility bill because there's water and, and wastewater and garbage collections all tied into it but the the line for just water alone was running around 35 to 40 bucks a month, which is, you think about, oh, that sounds great. But then you get to June (laughs) and suddenly that, you know, $40 a month is now $280 a month because we've been running the sprinklers on a regular cycle. And I think they go about three times a week. So it starts to add up really fast, especially over the summer months. Yeah, and and you've got the foundation to take care of as well, and uh, and uh, no, 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 we don't because oh, okay. we are we are peer and beam. But 
in in Texas, if you have a slab foundation, and this is what Matthew's referring to, if you have a fa- slab foundation, because I know you do, Matthew. Yes. Um, most of the times, what's recommended is that you keep the foundation watered, so to speak, so that the ground, because the ground here will is very clay clayy. There we go. Uh, and will dry out and start to crack, and it will cause your foundation to shift. So not only are you watering your lawn, you also got to deal with the foundation. You know, a lot of people have to deal with the foundation itself, just keeping that wet during the summertime. Yeah. So 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 let's let's say we'll use your house as as our example. If if your house has five downspouts and you get that average of. 4,800 gallons of water in June, each downspout would get about 950 gallons of water each. We're most likely not going to get all of our rain at once if it rains on, I I hope not at least. (laughs) Although there have been times when I've pretty much sworn that's what we've gotten in in one go, but but, yeah, (laughs) but go on. We're, we're, going yeah so 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 we'll assume that we don't get all of that at once if it rains in three separate occasions in june then each of those downspouts will get roughly 300 gallons and if i could provide you with five rain barrels with a 200 gallon capacity then it is very likely that you'll be able to catch and use most of the rain that hits your roof in june in the in the yard and and for those of us who don't have a pier and beam in the around the foundation now your yard will likely not need all 3000 gallons of water that you're going to get well i i, I might want to turn my yard into a swamp you don't know me that's that's very <laughs> true <laughs> yeah but by, but what you're essentially what you're coming down to though is that you know if you know we're obviously not going to use the three three thousand gallons of water that's that's not really going to happen but by using the rain barrels we're talking about us you're talking about me and James saving probably that two hundred forty dollars a month for the months just for the summer months just June July and August not to mention whatever we save in April and May and probably September and, and October as well so even just the summer months alone I mean that's like seven hundred twenty bucks that we've saved. So, you know, we're talking, we could do something with that. We could, well, once upon a time we could go somewhere, but you know, we could, we could, I'm sure, I'm sure suck that away and use it for future travel. But what's, I mean, we're talking, so we're talking about the, the solar panels being about 20 grand. What's the cost for like a typical rain barrel system? I've looked up different systems and I can get you, for $2,000, I can get you five 200-gallon low-profile rectangular tanks from McMaster Car, which is your general construction supply company. And, mm-hmm. and for another maybe $3,000, I can get you five elevated concrete bases that would support those tanks. Because you, you got to have them raised up off the ground so gravity can do its job. So all in all, you're in for maybe $5,000. And even if you only save that $720 over the, sw- over the summer, you can expect to break even on something like that in seven years. And remember the payoff for our solar panel setup was 20 years with a $20,000 startup costs. And that's an expensive rain barrel system. That's not, that's not, that's not your, what people average, average do. 
Right. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, there was a national survey done by uh, national by D.C. National Gardeners that estimated that even one 50 gallon rain barrel could save you thirty five dollars over the course of the summer, which would return the cost of the barrel in three years if you bought a hundred dollar barrel. Well, that's not bad. I mean, you think about that um, just, you know, in, in in relation to sort of that that initial investment in your turnaround time, it does seem like the, the rain barrels do seem to make more sense. And I think part of me just doesn't see using solar panels. I, I mean, uh, in the long run, if I, if it was my choice and I was going to try to make, make a decision about doing something that's going to have an impact, I think, I think the water aspect would, well, because you think about the, we always go through these periods in Texas, especially in this area where suddenly we are draining the lakes around here. You'll, you'll watch the lake levels drop by five or 10 feet sometimes because people are using so much water, especially when we're not getting any rain. So to me, that just seems to make the rain barrels just seem to make more sense in that aspect. So, you know, and, and we, and like I said, we, this, we all know this all comes down to money. If we're talking with a client, it ultimately comes down to what they're willing to spend. I'm, I personally think that you can you can easily sell a five or six thousand dollar spend quicker than you can a, a twenty thousand dollar spend. That that's just been my experience. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I I would think usually usually the you present them a lower number, they're much happier. And and for those people who are wanting to make that sort of reduction in carbon footprint, it's a simple way to do it. And so so did you mention to your neighbor at all about hey why don't you do this for your water bill or did you just sort of let that kind of go you know i kind of let it go faye has kind of drilled into me that i shouldn't butt in where my opinions weren't asked so i i i, I took a hard look and i was like mm, I, I i should probably pass on this one I should, should probably just keep my mouth shut and, and tell him how nice his solar panels look. And isn't that great he's, he's, that he's saving money? But but again, you know, it's it's this is simple technology. It's stupid simple technology, and it's been around forever. So so why not go down that path? And I think as as architects, you know, we we want to present the best options to our clients. And sometimes sometimes the simpler things are end up being the better things. And sometimes the less expensive things. So it's sort of a win-win-win when it comes down to it. And while solar panels probably look nicer than a bunch of barrels, you know, it, it, it ultimately when it comes down, when you're, when you're really looking at the two, I think that's the one that makes, makes sense first to, to possibly tackle first. But that's, that is our take on it. And that's, you know, that's, that is, I'm sure there's a, ton of different opinions out there on this and you can find almost anything online talking about the pros and cons but for i think matthew and me that really really is what it comes down to is is what makes the most economical sense and can still have an impact yeah because i feel like everybody wants to do their part but you know maybe you might not know where to start or maybe you're intimidated by the 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 initial cost of uh, a solar panel setup so i just thought we'd maybe propose uh a different look on things. Well, and, and that's that's great. I mean, that, as architects, that's probably something we should be doing with all of our clients, but not going to happen today because 
it is time for us to check out. Yay! Oh, no. Um, <laughs> actually, so it's the 11th. It's Saturday. Normally we record on a Thursday, but life has been good. We have both been busy. So we have taken some time out of our Saturday to come join you. And so now we, are, I think, are both going to, I'm going to guess you're going to go play with your kids, right? I'm hoping my kids are still sleeping from nap time. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, hopefully you'll get a little more peace and quiet. Now, for us, James has been online looking at dining room tables because we're getting ready to replace ours. We, we finally decided today it was time. Another one of the feet came off one of the chairs. We're like, okay, we've had this for 21 years, I think. 20, no, 23 years. It's time for a new table. So he's been looking online. So I think I'm going to gonna get done here and have to run over there and start seeing what he found and start offering my opinion. But we shall see. In the meantime, everyone, we hope you're having a, a cooler summer than we are. You may not be. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can always find me on Facebook at um, Spotted Dog Architecture or on Instagram and Twitter at Spotted Dog Arch. And Matthew can be found at... On Twitter as ArchGeekMatt with underscores. Uh, like I said, I hope everyone's having a good time and is surviving the pandemic and life hasn't made you too crazy. And we will be back next week with something hopefully just as intriguing and exciting. So have a good weekend and we'll talk later. Bye. Bye. Bye.